This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders, the digital bookish resource and hangout spot for readers. Enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insiders, short story, novel, and the epic level, and you can try any level out for free for two weeks. For podcast lovers, and that means you, insiders at the novel and epic level get access to two exclusive shows, the Read Harder podcast, which gives recommendations for the Read Harder challenge task by task, and Book Riot Remix, where we randomly pair up hosts from across our shows to talk about, well, whatever they want. Insiders also get exclusive access to bookish deals, behind-the-scenes newsletters, our new release index, the Epic Book Club, and more. Sign up for your free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 108, and we are recording on August 8th. I am Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra. How are you? I am good, Katie. It is fire season, sadly, oh, yeah. in California, and there is smoke everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's that's a bit of a situation, but otherwise, it's it's going well. What about you? Well, I think we've been seeing the haze from some of the wildfires happening in California over the last few weeks. It's definitely been pretty hazy out here. And even mm-hmm. even my friend who lives in Connecticut a couple weeks ago was saying that the haze from the West Coast had reached all the way to Connecticut to the point where That's she was like, crazy. you can oh see like smoke and vapor kind of like hanging a few feet above the ground. Like it was it was pretty intense. So I'm going to guess because you had you didn't say anything otherwise i'm guessing that there aren't any fires too terribly close to where you live uh, so yeah. <laughs> hopefully for right now hopefully it stays that way yeah it's there's nothing too near us it, it's a little like two hour drive from us but it's for the intensity of the smoke you couldn't tell it would seem it's like it's just down the road it's so bad but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember one time my family and I were vacationing in Colorado Springs in August and we had we had been we had been there for a couple of days and we were driving along somewhere and we kind of look out to the east and we're like Does that look like smoke. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, that looks like smoke and so for the next few days like you could you could really start to smell it and actually mm-hmm. at our our hotel started housing some of the people that had been forced to vacate their home. So we saw people coming in with, you know, personal belongings, all this stuff. We're like, oh, geez. It didn't end up getting close to where we were staying. It was more on the northern part of the city. We were doing a lot of stuff on the southern part. But you could definitely, yeah, you could you could definitely experience it. And I, I, I can't imagine living somewhere where that's kind of a regular seasonal occurrence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Probably will not be moving out to California anytime <laughs> soon, but um, hopefully if any of you readers are or listeners are in California, hopefully you all are staying safe and that you that your lives have not been affected by the ongoing wildfires. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about something happier. Yes. <laughs> let's talk about books. What are you reading, Nezra? All right. So since I always hear you talk about Riley Sager... On a regular basis, I thought I'd try. I'd finally give his, you know, plethora of books a try. So I started with Home Before Dark, 
I'm only like 30, 40 pages in, and it's giving me very strong haunting of Hill House Wives. Oh, yeah. But yep. not not the book, not the book. Uh, the, the Netflix TV show, you know, where this family moves into this huge house that way that's way too big for them. It's a fixer-upper. It has a haunted history. So just a little bit about the story. It centers around Maggie, who uh, lived in this house, and she and she doesn't remember much about it. And just with her mom and dad, she lives in that house. And when she was five, all she remembers is after 20 days of moving into that house, in the middle of the night, they escaped. And her dad, who was an author, uh, he actually wrote a whole account about that, like about that incident and about living in, you know, living in that house. And now his father has passed away. I, I'm not sure about her. I think their mother divorces her father and, She's just left to, you know, sort of live with that legacy of that book. Everyone knows her as that, you know, kid from the horror book. And it's and it's a book comparable to the, the Emmettville horror narrative. And it's like it's hitting all the right spots, you know, like you everything you expect and want from a haunted house story. I had been in a bit of a reading slump just because it was life had been crazy. And it's just the exact kind of story you need to pull you out of one. You know, you go in and you get exactly what you're expecting. So I'm absolutely loving it. And that's Home Before Dark by Riley Sager. Yeah, I that's actually probably my second favorite of his after Final Girls. And yeah, it is. That's what I love about his books is that they may... They they play with well-known tropes, so it may not be doing anything new, but my gosh, it just hits if the, all of those perfect spots, mm-hmm. and you're just like, this is, yeah, like you said, that this is exactly what I want from my book, so... Yeah, that I really, I really like that one. And yeah, that one just, yeah, just hang on as you get towards the end, because (laughs) you are not gonna like, (laughs) it is gonna twist and turn so many times. Just (laughs) hang on for the ride. (laughs) For me, I well, one of the books that I read, I'm going to talk about later in the episode, so I won't talk about that now. But I did get my hands on a copy of The Bombay Prince by Sujata Masi, which is book three in the Purveen Mystery series, which we talk about so many times on the show. And I'm maybe about 50 pages into it, so they have only just discovered the murdered person. So it's hope so it should be kicking off pretty soon. But what I think is really interesting about this book is that it takes place against a backdrop of uh, very significant social and political unru- unrest in Bombay with the arrival of the, I think it's the Welsh prince who is basically the ruler of Bombay since India was under British rule at this time. And there's a lot of political undertones and stuff about protesting and, you know, law enforcement trying to maintain peace and order and yeah it just it seems like it's it's going to be it's going to be a mystery with a much bigger scope so i am really interested to keep reading that and again that was the bombay prince by the always fabulous sujata masi oh that sounds amazing i i feel like sujata masi can has this ability to do, perform this balance of everything she balances character development like a very rich setting oh I love it I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to pick this one up eventually but yeah all right so before we jump in you want to go ahead and give us our first sponsor absolutely so this episode of Red or Dead is sponsored in part by Harper Paperbacks publisher of Then She Vanishes by Claire Douglas 
1994, 16-year-old Flora Powell vanished from her sleepy seaside town without a trace. 25 years later, tragedy strikes again when Flora's sister Heather walks into a stranger's house and allegedly kills two people in cold blood. Heather's best friend Jess, now a reporter, returns to the hometown she left behind to cover the case and dig for answers. What happened to the girl she used to know? The question haunts Jess and propels her to find the key that may unlock the mysteries involving both sisters. But the investigation may reveal a darker side to her idyllic hometown. Thank you very much to Harper Paperbacks, publishers of Then She Vanishes by Claire Douglas, for sponsoring this show. Ooh, that one sounds really interesting. I can't describe exactly what bells it's ringing. I mean, I guess maybe like the in cold blood murder and like Mm -hmm. years long cold case. Maybe those are the bells it's ringing, but it sounds really interesting. And the returning to hometown, you know, returning to find a hometown, like something sinister. Mm. All the ticks, all the cross, it's (laughs) marking all the boxes. Sinister (laughs) hometowns, gotta love them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We're so delighted to have you again. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. We are so happy that you decided to tune in and join us. So like I said at the beginning of the episode, we talk about about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime and just about anything that falls under that ginormous umbrella, whether we're talking about subgenres that we may not have explored before or author read-alikes or movie adaptation that's happening that everyone's really interested in. As long as it is mysterious or suspenseful or there's murder involved, it's probably fair game for us to talk about on the show. And this is the part where we always put out a call to our listeners to solicit suggestions for upcoming episodes, because we have planned so many previous episodes based on what you, the listeners, have told us that you would be interested in hearing about. It's a great way for us to get a sense of what you'd like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons, just a really win-win situation all around. So if you have any ideas or recommendations, you can shoot us an email or reach out via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, but we always like to put out the call at the beginning of the episode, get those creative juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea and just want to say hi, there's nothing we enjoy more. It makes our day to hear from all of you. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us and join in on this fabulous community that we that we have created of mystery and suspense fans. And with that, we've got a couple of news items, both of which in very different ways were very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> Nazar, do you want to kick us off? Yes. All right, everybody. Before I start, I want you all to mark your calendars for November 24th. 2021, because that is when The House of Gucci is being released. The House of Gucci, it stars Lady Gaga and Adam Driver, and it is based on the very real, very true story of Maurizio Gucci, who was the grandson of Guccio Gucci, who was the founder of the Italian fashion house, and he was shot and killed outside of his office in Milan, Italy. It is based on the book, The House of Gucci, A Sensational Story of Murder, Madness, Glamour, and Greed, written by Sarah Gay Forden. And the trailer for it just recently came out. And I have to tell you all, it is... It is something. 
It is. It is the f- amount of fabulous that you expect anything to have Lady Gaga in it to be. There's a scene where she actually, like, you know, pulls her sunglasses down from her eyes, and you're like, oh, get me the smelling salts. <laughs> but <laughs> oh my but god, it is yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's exactly the kind of fabulous you would expect. You know, a, when it's a story about a fashion mogul, when it's a story about an inheritance of like this fashion, this huge fashion brand, and uh, and of course a murder. So it is fantastic. So it's set to come out on November twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. The cast is absolutely amazing it has al pacino jared leto and jeremy irons who as soon as i read that i in- immediately yelled my favorite audiobook narrator but and selma hayek i think is in it too oh yeah and selma hayek and of course lady gaga and adam driver who katie and i had a very long debate about you know our thoughts about him <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and uh, lady gaga also shared this picture this very this scene from the movie of her and Adam Driver in the movie and it just I've been staring at that picture for a bit now it's almost bordering on like something creepy but it's just (laughs) it's I don't know it just captures a mood it captures a mood yeah you know like so yeah that's that's something to look forward to and you have plenty of time to you know before then to read the actual the book itself which recounts the whole account and it also sheds light and sort of you know, their relationship and how Patrizia Reggiani, who was the wife, was, you know, she was in this battle to claim the Gucci brand for herself. So it's, it has a lot of like, you know, it's just, it's more than murder. It's just, it's fashion, it's greed, it's, ugh, I'm ready for it. So again, that's House of Gucci. And if you're looking for the book, it's The House of Gucci, A Sensational Story of Murder, Madness, Glamour and Greed by Sarah Gay Forded. Yeah, I uh, I told Blaine uh, recently, I said, you know, I said, I kind of, I'm like, I want to see House of Gucci when he comes out. And he's like, Katie, you've got to let this crush on Adam Driver go. And I was like, first of all, <laughs> <Never>. no. <laughs> Second of all, I'm like, look, there's, it's one of those weird things where I'm like, there are some pictures or whatever where I'm just like, oh God, no, no. Like, for whatever reason, he's not doing it. But then that, like, when I watch him in a movie and I'm just like... Oh boy! <laughs> okay, now smelling salts. Yeah, yeah. I need the smelling salts for this one. He's just—he's such an intense actor that it's like, yeah, his his acting just kind of like takes on a life of its own. And I was just also like, also Lady Gaga's in there. Come on now, give me some credit. But yeah, I think the more I talk about House of Gucci and the more I watch the trailer, the more obsessed with it I'm becoming. So this should be interesting come November. And then in much less entertaining and much sadder news, last week we learned that uh, British crime author Mo Hader had died at age 59 from a motor neuron disease. And this one, I was so sad to see this. I have read, I've read a couple of Mo Hader's books before. And when I say they are intense and dark beyond belief, like, that's coming from me. So you can take that to the bank. And I I remember I listened to the first two books in her Jack Caffrey series on audio back to back. And the first one was intense enough. And it has all the trigger warnings of stalking and sexual assault and just, oh. And the second one was even worse because it had to do with, again, trigger warnings 
There's a lot of really terrible things that happen to children in that book in many different ways. And by the time I finished listening to the second one, I, I think I uttered the phrase, I think I need to douse my brain with bleach right now. That was that was a very intense listening experience. But she writes such compelling crime novels that even though I was like reeling, just like, what am I listening to? They were so compelling that I couldn't stop listening. And for me to be that disturbed by something that I've read, again, that does not happen very often. So she was a powerhouse. So I was very sad to see that she had passed away. And now I have taken it upon myself and I'm like, well, I guess I've got to read her entire backlist now because, I mean, I probably should have done that earlier, but uh, better late than never, I suppose. But if you were also a fan of Mo Hader and had not yet heard the news, I'm very sad to be the one to have to break that. She was, she was just really, really incredible. Yeah, I, I've heard about her series, but like you said, the trigger warnings have kept me at bay. But for, yeah, yeah it, for good yeah. reason. And I, I, there aren't a lot of things that where I'm like, okay, it's a hard no for me mm-hmm. when I go into books, but those books were intense with all capital letters, like, holy cow. <laughs> so maybe if I come across one that's not quite so intense, I'll pass yes, it. Please. I'll pass it along to you. It's like here, this one. This one is a little bit tamer, for what it's worth. Yes, please. But yeah, that is indeed sad news. May she rest in peace. And then um, with that, I guess let's go ahead and jump into our main uh, discussion. Which, when I was thinking about it, I think we have like if our number one resource for new episode ideas is from our listeners. Probably our number two resource for new episode ideas are Crime Reads articles. <laughs> because that's where, I, where that's where I saw this one come up. Um, but yeah, we decided to do our episode on fictional books that are based in part or almost entirely on true events. So kind of like an episode we did recently where we talked about fiction that has a lot of true crime elements where it may not be based on an actual an actual crime that happened in reality but has a lot of those same elements well these books are do actually use these true events as a framework and i feel like i've been talking for a long time so nezra i'm going to pass this one over to you to to pick up with <laughs> absolutely so uh, i think the appeal of this one in particular is, and even when I was, you know, sort of picking out my picks is, I mean, reality is stranger than fiction. I mean, we've heard that, you know, so many times, but so many authors, you know, they take like aspects of maybe the history and maybe aspects of the crime and they turn it into something so intriguing that it's, it's just an experience of its own. So, you know, true crime is a, is a genre of its own. It has its own appeal. It has its own powerhouses and stuff like that. But I think that what really appealed to me with this one was it sort of, it allows people or just authors to give voice to a lot of characters who might never have gotten a chance to tell their story and who might, you know, due to time and that has passed away, might never ever get to tell their story. So there's a lot of things that fiction helps fill in the gaps for. And that is one of the reasons why I absolutely love the minute you suggested it, I was, I jumped on the wagon. And with that, I'll go, I'll move forward with my first pick, which is about my queen. Uh, it is The Mystery of Mrs. Christie by Mary Benedict. So if you haven't heard of Mary Benedict, 
she is a very prolific historical fiction writer and usually each of her books focus around an a female historical figure who may not have gotten her you know fair share of limelight or who might not have whose story is not as out there as you sh- as it should be or as it deserves to be so in this one the mystery of mrs christie it tells the story of agatha christie and how she disappeared for 11 days. So in December 1926, Agatha Christie, she went missing. Investigators found her empty car on the edge of a deep pond, a deep gloomy pond. The only clues were the tire tracks nearby and a fur coat left in her car. And her husband and her daughter had no idea. They did not know where she went. And there was this whole, you know, manhunt out and about the whole England was in a flurry because even at the time that Agatha Christie was writing she was like she was a powerhouse even at that time but 11 days later she reappeared and like she just claimed amnesia and she provided no explanations for her time away and the puzzle of those 11 days has persisted till this day right so it, no one has ever been able to answer the question where did she go no one found her no one has been able to find clues of where she might have been and what what Mary Benedict does or attempts to do is actually fill in the gaps on what might have happened and she does a fantastic job at it the i heard this on audiobook but the audiobook sadly is audible only but the physical experience of reading this book is just as good Mary Benedict is it her style actually both the authors that i've picked today their style reminds me so much of Alice Hoffman with just how their writing just flows you know you never feel like you're reading one sentence two sentence like it's it just flows and before you know it you're 60 pages in and you don't know how to quit so it is fantastic and it is very much based on miss agatha christie's you know real life disappearance there's almost a sense of humility in this novel so mary benedict is by no means giving definite answers and you get a sense of that you know you get a sense that she's very much treading the waters but she's not you know trying to surf them per se <laughs> i have no way i've been living in california for too long but <laughs> but yeah but she like very much you know try she does it very carefully and it's it's a very plausible explain it turns out to be a very plausible you know breakdown of what might have happened keeping in I, I am someone who's read a lot of Agatha Christie's work I grew up on them she was the reason I got into mysteries so it's always you know like when you read this it sort of sounds it lines up with what you know of her through her writings because her writing shines her personality shines in her writings you know there is this sense of humor and deadpan humor I would say where a very ordinary sentences you know creates this atmosphere of irony So yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's The Mystery of Mrs. Christie by Mary Benedict. I think you got the double whammy on this first one because not only is it a book, maybe even a triple whammy because not only is it is the story based around true events, but it is an unsolved historical mystery and it's about a mystery author. Like, whoa. Yeah, so I think <laughs> Bingo, you, bingo, bingo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you 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 win for for this episode. <laughs> And before I jump into my first pick, I do want to get to our second sponsor, which is TBR, Book Riot subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. So if you are looking for great new mystery and thriller books to read, but are overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz, you can let Book Riot help. 
tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for, and then just sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. You can visit mytbr.co to sign up today. Sign up only takes a few minutes. You just answer a couple questions, what you like to read, what you're looking for. You can link up your Goodreads profile if you have one, and then you're done. Then you're matched with a bibliologist based on your requests. And then you can give your bibliologist feedback, update your request to stay in line with your reading goals, and basically have your own personal book concierge. Recommendations only is available worldwide. If you are interested in the hardcover tier, that is available in the U.S. only. And again, that's my tbr.co to sign up. All right, so my first pick is, it is it's not exactly mystery suspense, but I will explain why I'm picking it. Uh, the book that I picked came out earlier this year. It is called The Happiest Girl in the World by Elena Dillon. And I picked up this book because I was suffering from Olympics women's gymnastics withdrawals. That is the only sport I've had any interest in watching for this Olympics, although I have been picking up on some of the highlights here and there. But I have just been full in on women's gymnastics. And every four years I get into a gymnastics kick where that's all I want to read about, usually timed up with the Olympics. And The Happiest Girl in the World gives you kind of an insider's perspective, a fictional perspective, but an insider's perspective at the world of elite gymnastics and what it's like to train at that level and the sacrifices that that these gymnasts need to make. The reason why I am picking it for this episode is because I think this would make for a really good suggestion if you are a fan of Megan Abbott, because that is Megan Abbott's bread and butter. She has done a book about the world of competitive gymnastics with You Will Remember Me. And this this book, I literally, I picked it up at like nine o'clock on a work night, and then by the next thing I knew, again, it was like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I was like two thirds of the way through the book. And I'm like, all right, we're doing this. And so I read it in a single sitting. And it just, it whetted my appetite for gymnastics related stories. But the real life event that the book is based on, and again, why I'm like, okay, I'm putting this into a mystery suspense crime podcast is with trigger warnings, it is a very clear, fictionalized account of all of the issues that have happened over the last few years with Larry Nassar and USA Gymnastics. So trigger warning, while it doesn't go into graphic detail about sexual assault, that's the underpinning of the entire story. So the plot of the book the main character's name is Sarah Wheeler. She has been training at an elite level ever since she was a kid. And as she gets older, she and one of her friends who have been doing gymnastics together and competing, her friend comes forward and announces to the one of the officials at, who picks the Olympics team and who is, you know, very heavily involved with that saying that she was sexually assaulted by the gymnastics doctor that has been working with these gymnasts for years. And Sarah Wheeler, when they're asked her, is this true? She says, no, it's not. Even though she's, her friend has mentioned before that weird things have been happening. 
and you know she's really not comfortable with it and you know it's she's really upset by this but sarah's like you're going to jeopardize both of our chances to get on the olympic team you know i i don't i don't want you to sacrifice your you know, sacrifice your career but she also doesn't want to be associated with an accusation like that and then it kind of looks at the repercussions of that decision to to say no i don't know what's going on that's not true that type of thing so this book has fictionalized accounts of real people. If you are familiar with gymnastics at all, you are going to recognize, for example, the team the the team doctor is his name is not Larry Nassar, but it might as well be. Even down to the description, <laughs> it is Larry Nassar. And the coaches that the girls train with for gymnastics, if you remember the Carolis from the nine from the nineties training the Magnificent Seven Olympic team, it is v- very much Bella and Martha Caroli that these that these characters are based on. So there's not there there's no hiding exactly who this is, who these characters are, and even uh, the author also name drops actual famous elite gymnasts as the main characters move their way through the competitions and as they advance and they were talking about oh yeah she was on a team with Gabby Douglas, Allie Reisman, Simone Biles like these are actual gymnasts and so it does a really interesting blend of fiction and non-fiction it's and again it is a very fictionalized account but it it's very it's intense it is suspenseful because you're just you're like what what are these sacrifices going to come to how far is it going to go and i just tore through this book at the speed of light and that was exactly what i wanted to read to get my gymnastics fix again and again that is the happiest girl in the world by alina dillon oh you had me at megan abbott <laughs> i was thinking that i'm like oh i'm i'm going to get Nestor's attention with this one <laughs> that uh, that sounds very intriguing. I'm definitely gonna add that to my Goodreads list. All right, with that, I'll move to my second pick, which is Frog Music by Emma Donahue. So Emma, I, I first came across Emma Donahue as an author when her book Room went uh, became an international success. But I could never pick that book up just because so many triggers. But I did. She was definitely an author. I did want to read just because I had heard so much about her. And if you actually look at her works, no work is similar to another. And that's what's so fantastic about her. You can't put her in a box. You can't say, you know, that she writes literary fiction or she writes historical fiction. She writes a little bit of everything and she does it so good. So that's why that's this is another reason that I said she is very similar to Alice Hoffman because Alice Hoffman is one of those authors who I feel like her writing just who's very prolific and her, her writing just like flows and that's the same with Emma Donahue and this book The Frog Music it is about summer in of 1876 in San Francisco so my home city and it is set in the heat wave and in the middle of the smallpox epidemic and it is actually very much based on a true story so what happens in this is in the fierce grip of there's a record-breaking heat wave and a smallpox epidemic and through the window of a railroad salon a young woman named jenny bonnet is shot dead and the survivor her friend blanche Bannon is a French burlesque dancer, and over the next three days, she risks risks everything to bring Jenny's murderer to justice. That is, if you know the murderer doesn't track her down first. 
So it's the story of Blanche struggles to, you know, piece together the story. It's a secret life of Jenny herself. And it's it's a historical, it's a sweeping murder mystery. It's also a little bit like if you've ever read Sarah Waters, like Fingersmith or The Little Stranger, but it's very slow to reveal itself. But it's so vivid. It's You can feel the heat, you know, and you can actually, you feel like you're interacting with the character, the cast of characters that, you know, Blanche interacts with or that come alive in Jenny's history. And it's actually very much based on the real-life shooting of a cross-dresser who supported herself by supplying restaurants with frog legs. And so Emma Donahue actually pieced together this, I think it's a four, uh, it's a 500, 416 pages book. And she pieced together this whole historical fiction and murder piece by, you know, using old newspaper articles, just listening to like secondhand, firsthand accounts of just that time period of uh, people who had maybe heard about that shooting. And it is, it is so well done. So like it takes a very obscure, I would say, event in like San Francisco, local San Francisco history. And it gives, it like blows life into it. So it is fantastic. And it's, again, it's Frog Music by Emma Donahue. I'm really glad that you talked about this book because I tried reading it a while ago and I think I might have tried listening to it on audio and for whatever reason it just wasn't grabbing me so I ended up putting it to the side. I hadn't gotten very far into it. I think maybe it may have been too slow of a burn for what I was looking Mm -hmm, for at the mm -hmm. time but it's always been on my radar as one that I'm like, you know, I really should try to pick that one up again. (laughs) And so I am going to double check when we're done recording that that book is still on my Goodreads (laughs) TBR so that maybe so that hopefully I'll be able to jump back into it and give it another try because yeah, it sounds so fascinating. And again, one of those things where, like you said before, like the truth is stranger than fiction, like it just seems like, what do you mean this is based on a true story? That this yeah, this, this woman who, who dresses as, was it, and I can't remember, was it a woman dressing as a man who provided the frog legs? Yes, yes. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I just want to make sure I got the details right, but I'm just, I'm just like, frog legs, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's just like the character she meets, right? So... A whole history of San Francisco comes alive in this book. Like, you know, you get to see, like, the I would say the non-glamorous. Like, you know, you get to see San Francisco Bridge, uh, not Bridge, San Francisco City beyond the Golden Gate Bridge, you know? Like, there's more to the streets of the city. And it's, I just loved such, you know, accounts. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, or I think, too, like, how for a lot of readers, like if a book is set in a certain city or like set during mm-hmm. a historical time period in a particular city, like that's just an automatic, like, yes, I'm interested. Like exactly. for me, anything set in Chicago automatically is ringing a bell for <laughs> me. I'm like, yes, I want to read that. So, so yeah, if any, if any of you are, are the same way and you're looking for a new San Francisco read to pick up, sounds like a good one. All right. And then my second pick is a book that I read a few years ago, and actually one that I've been meaning to reread again, just because I remember it being a very, a very complex read. And again, that is The Perfect Nanny by Leila Slimani. I had no idea that this book was based on an actual crime. So the basic premise of the book, it takes place in Paris. And it involves Miriam's family. Um, Miriam is a French-Moroccan lawyer, 
And after she decides to return to work after having children, she and her husband are looking for a nanny. And they never dreamed that they would come across Louise, who is this quiet, polite, devoted woman who cleans and sings to the children. I mean, almost like a modern day Mary Poppins. But as the couple and the nanny become more dependent on one another, jealousy mounts, resentment, suspicions come around, and then things just kind of come to a head. So, like I said, it has been a long time since I've read this book. What I remember about it is that it is definitely a strong blend between psychological suspense and literary fiction. So if you go into this expecting a run-of-the-mill domestic thriller, it's not going to be exactly what you're picturing. It is a slow burn of a read. It does play a lot with the tropes and the conventions of psychological thrillers. So like, we always, you know, we, we know what these events are leading up to. We know who did it. We we know why they did it, but it's still a compelling read. And this book was actually based on, again, trigger warning for child murder, but this was based on a double child murder that occurred in New York in 2012. But the author decided to... So she took the basics of that crime. She in the book, but she moved it to a different location in Paris. And she also flips the, uh, what Publishers Weekly calls the ethnic balance between the family and the nanny. So like on top of all of this other stuff about playing with genre conventions and all of this other stuff, there's also, should say, stuff about race and class and all, and, you know, all of these other layers to it. And when you look at the book, it is a short book. Like, it is probably under 250 pages. It's it's a very short book. And it's one of those where you're like, I can't believe that this book contains like this tiny book contains so many multitudes. So if you are looking for a domestic thriller that's not like other domestic thrillers that you've read, or you're looking for kind of a complex multi-layered book that in, you know, a tiny little package, this would probably be a really good one to pick up. And again, that is The Perfect Nanny by Leila Slimani. Uh, and it's also a translated work, right? So yes. that's something else to watch out for because it is, you know, read translation month. So... I've thought about, I've heard a lot of people whose judgment I trust, again, including yours, Katie, <laughs> talk about this. But again, it has just, it has just so many of the triggers, but they, they, they resound what you said that it just packs so many nuances and mm -hmm. it's, it's so jam packed with so many questions, like so many heavy questions that they, that they were left reeling after reading that book. So yeah, that is definitely fantastic pick for that as well it's uh bleak but i've heard yeah like you said i've heard great things about it yeah and like i said definitely definitely worth a reread because like i said at the time i wasn't expecting it to be what it was and so mm -hmm. i think a lot of times if you read a book like that and after your first reading you're like wait a minute what what was going on if you go into yeah. it with different expectations you're going to get a lot of a lot more stuff and a lot of different stuff out of it so i think that 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 should be one to for me to put on my on my reread list i agree all right so obviously we have only scratched the surface of fictional books that focus on 
real-life events or are based around real-life events. So, as always, if any of you listeners have any suggestions for us for other books based on real events that you really, really like, send us a note, hit us up on social media, let us know, because, again, this is one of those... This is one of those, I don't know if you'd call it like a frame or like a trope, but this is, this is one, of, one of those things that I think rings bells for both of us, that, that it's something that, that we, we tend to really like in, in our fiction. So, you know, we're always looking for new recommendations. So hit us up if you have any extras. And uh, with that, let's go ahead. Let's finish this off with, uh, with some new releases. Uh, what do you got for us, Nezra? So, uh, my new release comes out 17th August, so th- not too not too much of a wait a- after hearing this episode. And it's called Velvet Was the Night by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. And I also mentioned this in my most anticipated releases for the second half of 2021, just because Silvia Moreno-Garcia, she just has my heart. I read her Mexican Gothic, and I was just floored. It did so many things so well. And it was, I read it almost in a haze just because once you start reading her writing, I feel like you, it's hard to stop. I felt the same way about her Gods of Jade and Shadow. And she's a similar author whose range just, you know, sort of baffles me. She takes, uh, all her works are, you know, well-researched. She goes from horror to historical fiction to magical realism and like, a flip second and it's just a wonder to behold and this one is actually a historical fiction it's actually a historical fiction mystery and it is you know it's like an ode to the lovers of noir and just it's like all those all the wonderful like mystery things and it's set in 1970s mexico city and it, it features Mayte, who is a secretary who lives for one thing, the latest issue of Secret Romance. And while student protests and political unrest consume the city, Mayte escapes into stories of passion and danger. Her next-door neighbor, Leonora, a, a beautiful art student, seems to live a life of intrigue and romance that Mayte envies. When Leonora disappears under suspicious circumstances, she finds herself searching for the missing woman, and journeying, journeying deep into Leonora's secret life of student radicals and dissidents. Meanwhile, someone else is also looking for Leonora at the behest of his boss. And as Elvis, he searches for the missing woman, he comes to observe Mayday from a distance and grows and uh, grows more and more obsessed with this woman who shares his love of music and sh- the unspoken loneliness of his heart. And Mayte and Elvis come closer, and as they discover the truth behind Leonora's disappearance, they can no longer escape the danger that threatens to consume their lives. We have hitmen, government agents, Russian spies, all aiming to protect Leonora's secrets at whatever it takes. It is a fantastic, edgy, simmering historical novel for lovers of smoky noirs and anti-heroes. So that's Velvet Was the Night by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, and it comes out 17 August. It just seems like a book that just oozes atmosphere. Like, especially if you look at the cover, like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's like this cover with this this woman with I think she's got like a headscarf and she's smoking mm-hmm. a cigarette and it's just it's got sunglasses on it's just like emanating from the book cover <laughs> so I don't know who designed the book cover for that but they did a really good job yeah well done <laughs> all right so my pick 
is the book 56 Days by Catherine Ryan Howard, which also comes out on August 17th. And if any of you are at the point where you feel like you're able to read a book that takes place specifically during COVID and quarantine, you will be very interested in this book. Normally, I would think I wouldn't be able to do a book like that, but the premise of this sounds intriguing enough that I'm like, eh, maybe even though we're still in the middle of the pandemic. Anyway, <laughs> so the way this book is laid out, 56 days ago, Ciara and Oliver meet in a supermarket line in Dublin the same week that COVID reaches Ireland. 35 days ago, everyone's in lockdown, and Oliver suggests that Ciara moves in with him. She sees a unique opportunity for a new relationship to flourish without the pressure of scrutiny of family and friends. He sees it as an opportunity to hide who and what he really is. Now, today, detectives arrive at Oliver's apartment to discover a decomposing body inside. Will they be able to determine what really happened, or has lockdown provided someone with the opportunity to commit the perfect crime? Obviously, this is a book where nothing is as it seems, although I, just reading the description of this book, I just want to yell at her, I'm like, don't move in with him, what are you doing? Do not do this! <laughs> so, if you are emotionally able to read a book that very much hinges around quarantine and COVID and all of that, or if you're someone who thinks that this premise is intriguing enough that you can probably muscle past it, like I might be. Again, that is 56 Days by Catherine Ryan Howard, and that comes out on August 17th as well. Yeah, Catherine Ryan Howard's The Nothing Man. I feel like she has these premises that you don't think can be executed, but they are. Like even her Nothing Man was intense. It features a like, serial killer and how the lone survivor of the serial, like the serial killer's killings, writes this book, and she, you know, she's trying to piece pieces together of who he might be, and that book lands in the serial killer's hands, and oh, it's um, her premises are, I, I don't, I want to say bizarre, but not in a, not in a bad sense, but they're just like, you know, you don't think that can, it can be done until she does it. Like who'd think of that? <laughs> I exactly so I am intrigued as well and with that that is our show thank you so much to everyone for listening thank you so much to our wonderful sound editor Jen Zink for always making us sound great for show notes you can head over to bookride.com slash listen for more book recommendations and bookish goodness head over to bookride.com and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookride.com slash listen or just search bookride on your podcast player of choice if you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions you can reach us at red or dead at bookride.com otherwise you can find me on twitter at javed nasra that's j-a-v-e-d N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we'll talk to you next time.